You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to be in the book of Philippians 3 tonight, continuing our study here in the life-changing book of Philippians. Uh, while you're finding your place there in Philippians, I also just want to uh, thank the Lord, give some praise to God for uh, just kind of a cool week. This week we actually celebrate having our last all right, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to be in the book of Philippians 3 tonight, continuing our study here in the life-changing book of Philippians. Uh, while you're finding your place there in Philippians, I also just want to uh, thank the Lord, give some praise to God for uh, just kind of a cool week. This week we actually celebrate having our last service in the storefront uh, church and then uh, our first service here at the new building and so we're sure thankful for that and man i miss you folks uh we're actually doing a lot of work to the building it's uh going to be some cool updates when you get back um man the lord's good and we're going to be getting together uh real soon so stay tuned for information on that can't wait to get back in here and keep on rolling for the glory of god amen all right the book of philippians chapter number three i want to preach on this topic tonight on get over it. Get over it. Uh, all right. Philippians chapter number three, verse number 12. Uh, the Bible says, not as though I had already attained, neither were perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so as we consider this, I think today as we consider the Apostle Paul, I believe that we could agree that Paul is one of the finest Christians who has ever lived. In fact, I believe he's one of the greatest men in all of history. If you include the book of Hebrews, for instance, he wrote, the Lord used him to write more than half of the New Testament. He traveled thousands of treacherous miles spreading the gospel and planting churches from Asia into Europe. Some estimates have him traveling up to 10,000 miles during his ministry. And as he spread the gospel, folks, lives were changed. Amen. Churches were planted. More preachers were called. More Christians began to share the gospel with their neighbors. And folks, he spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire, and it changed the Roman Empire. Thus, it changed the world. And I'm telling you, God is still using what the Apostle Paul wrote to change lives today, to be a pattern for discipleship and church planning. I mean, uh, his ministry still lives on. So I believe it would be very beneficial for us to consider what makes a man like this so successful. What made him tick? And I believe that today's text reveals at least one very important paradigm of Paul's practical philosophy. He uses the phrase that should really catch our attention in verse 13. He said, this one thing I do. And I would like to challenge you and I to learn to do 
this one thing, all right? Learn to do this one thing. A common question that successful people are asked by others in their field of interest or employment is they'll ask the question, if there was one piece of advice you could give me, what would it be? You may ask and, 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 uh, someone who's had great success in investing, uh, give me one piece of advice or real estate or even something as practical as hunting, you know. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give me about hunting or fishing or whatever the case may be? This one thing I do. I remember years ago in 2001, one year before my family and I moved to South Dakota, I remember asking an evangelist, a friend of mine, Bruce DeLang, uh, he, was, he was born and bred in South Dakota, and I remember him asking him that question, if there's one piece of advice that you could give me, what would it be? And I remember to this day what he said, he said, just love people where they are. Just love people where they are. In other words, he was telling me, uh, you know, to just to have the same attitude that Christ has. It sounds pretty basic and simple, but I'm telling you, it, it's been at the heart of our ministry ever since that day. See, do you desire today to live out successfully your God-given purpose? The, your, your whole reason for being on this earth do you want to live the abundant life in the light of God's presence and in powerful service? Do you want to leave a legacy that will last for generations? If that's your desire today, let's ask the expert. Paul, what's one thing you would tell me? What's one piece of advice you would give me today? What does he say? I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Forget those things in the past. Keep pressing and pushing forward toward that which is before us. In other words, there were some things that Paul was able to get over. God has a life of success and victory waiting for you today. But if you're going to get into that land, if you're going to live that life, you're going to have to learn to leave some things behind. There's some things that we're going to have to learn to get over. Quit dwelling on them, amen? Get past these things. There's a good future that belongs to us, but I'm telling you, you can't head into the future if you're not willing to leave the past behind, all right? So the very first thing I believe that the Apostle Paul learned to get over was the fires of life, the fires that he faced. In other words, the trials. Paul wrote this epistle in a Roman prison. I mean, he was in this prison for being faithful to the work that God called him to do. He was in chains 24 hours a day. Yet when you look into the book of Philippians, as we've studied, he's rejoicing throughout. In chapter 1, verse 18, he says this, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. That doesn't sound like the language of a man in prison. He says in Philippians 2, 17, he says, I joy and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, he says, ye rejoice with me. There's a lot of rejoicing going on. How do you know that Paul got over the fires? Because he's rejoicing. Chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, Rejoice! 
Yet, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 25, tells us some interesting things about Paul. It says, he says, Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. And thrice there, as you may have figured out, means three. Three times I was beaten with rods. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep. So shipwrecked out in the, out in the water for uh, a night and a day. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness. In hunger and thirst, in fastings, in cold and nakedness. That's what Paul had gone through. Now, how would we have reacted to one of any of these things that he went through? How do we react to the trials of life? See, we all go through trials, but God never means for these trials to make us bitter. He always means for them to make us better. See, with God's help, we must learn to get over it. We must learn to get past it. I mean, these things were very real to the Apostle Paul. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not being flippant by being saying, oh, just get over it. I'm just saying that he learned to put it into perspective and say, you know what? I can't dwell on this. Yes, I went through these tough times, but now I'm moving on. I'm, I'm going to keep on going. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. See, the, to get over it is not being insensitive, but he's trying to edify us by saying, get past it. Get over it. See, God has, God's blessed us with a cool ability, and that is this. You can only think one thought at a time. If we will get into the Word, it will give us perspective that we need. In other words, instead of just thinking and dwelling all the time about, man, this was terrible, this is terrible, uh, and so forth, you can think that, or you can pause for a moment and say, but you know what? I've got to say... The Apostle Paul had to think, it was God that allowed me to be imprisoned. He referred to himself as a prisoner of the Lord, not as a prisoner of Nero. Each time he was beaten, he felt the pain, but he remembered what his Lord endured. Every time he was hungry, he found sustenance in the heavenly manna. See, your fires are very real, but God is faithful, isn't he? How how Paul get over the fires? He remembered his faithful friend. Amen. The Bible says there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He had a friend who was with him every step of the way. And I'm telling you, the Lord is with you and has been with you every step of the way, child of God. See, God is too powerful for something to happen to us that's out of his control. This is what I'm telling you to think about. Think about this. God loves you too much to do you wrong. And God is too wise to make a mistake, all right? So therefore, Paul learned to get over his fires. But he also learned to get over, number two, his failures. He says in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I 
I do. That sounds confusing, but he was just talking about the battle that he faced in the flesh. We fail God, but it's God's will for us to get right, to get over it, and to get on doing something for him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you failed. You sinned. But did you confess your sins? Did you forsake your sin? Then let me tell you something. Leave it behind. Amen? You cannot go forward if you don't leave it behind and get over it. You may not feel forgiven. You ask God to forgive you, but that's beside the point. You know why? Because he said right there, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to forgive us. So whether you feel like it or not, you're forgiven. See, if you're like me, when you fail, you can beat yourself up over it. I mean, after as good as, good as God's been to me, and yet I fail him, Man, we can get so frustrated. It is frustrating. But I'm telling you, it's, it's a good reminder because every once in a while, we need to be introduced to ourselves. And what I mean by that is this. We need to be reminded that in our flesh, our old nature, as the Bible calls it, our old nature is just as bad as it's ever been, as it's ever been. But I'm telling you, we're not depending on the old nature. We're reminded that our old nature is sinful. That's why we fail. All right? That's why we, you know, get these bad attitudes and stuff when we're going through crisis and difficult times. We, it's, it's our old nature, but our new nature. We're not to live by the strength of our old nature, but by Christ in us. Amen? And so our failures remind us of that. See, the Christian life, successful Christians are not a bunch of people who have never failed. I think about Henry Ford, uh, that he had made the statement that those who never fail work for those of us who do <laughs> and have. You know why? Because if you're not failing, you're not trying. If you're not failing, you're not maybe pushing yourself and doing something you've never done before. I mean, listen, failure, think about how many times Thomas Edison failed. But I'm telling you, that's why failure is never final. You're not a failure till you quit. Keep on for the glory of God. Forgiveness helps you leave your failures behind you. But not only did the Apostle Paul learn to get over his fires and his failures, but also he learned to get over his feats. Philippians 3, 5, the Bible says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. And he goes on through to tell of all that, the, that he was and that was so valuable before, the things he'd accomplished in his past life. But in chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Amen? In other words, beware of dwelling on your past accomplishments. Thank God for them, but reach forth. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, amen? I think about the tribes of Gad and Reuben, the, the, the half-tribe of Manasseh. They were content to dwell in the wilderness. They were, they were among the people that were brought out of Egypt, a picture of salvation, through the wilderness, to be brought into Canaan's land, the successful, the abundant Christian life. 
but they were content to dwell in the wilderness. In other words, they were content to dwell in their past victories. Boy, I tell you what, that's done in many ministries. That's done in many people who have said, wow, look all that we've accomplished. I'm telling you, I, I sit here today and just all of what God has done here through the ministry of Elk Point Baptist Church. It just blows my mind. The, the souls that have been saved, the lives that have been changed, the men that God's uh, called to preach. I mean, just think about what God's doing. I mean, again, one year ago, almost to the day, we got the, were able to buy this brand new building, buy this uh, building. And, uh, and then since then, we've seen God just continue to do great things. You know what? But the worst thing that we can do is to sit back and say, oh, wow, look at what we've done. No, we can look at it and say, praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, we need to press on. Amen. We need to keep on going. We need to keep on reaching. We've got so many. We have people that drive from, uh, you know, communities from some from Sioux Falls to, to Lawton, Bronson, to, to Akron, to Vermilion. I mean, Sioux City, just all over from Nebraska. And you know what? We want to help effectively reach those cities too amen until jesus comes we want to be reaching out making a difference making a greater difference and impact in in elk point jefferson here in our community you got to learn to get over your feet you can't dwell on past victories and then also he learned to get over his feelings his feelings how you doing in that department see if you are living you're you're going to have your feelings hurt Demas forsook the Apostle Paul, one of his helpers, one of his right-hand men just deserted him. His name was slandered by so many people. People attacked the churches that he planted. Paul was hurt deeply, but he got over it. See, again, successful Christians are not people who don't go through trials. Successful Christians are not people who never fail. Uh, uh, successful Christians are not people that don't get hurt. Successful Christians are simply people who learn to get over it. They just learn to put it behind them, and they learn to see, see it for what it is, a growing experience. His feelings were hurt. It is impossible to go through life without hurt feelings and betrayal. But you can forgive. You can heal. Somebody said this, if you don't quit picking at the wound, it'll never heal. Amen. You ever told your kids that? If you were ever told that, it's quit. quit picking at it or it's never going to heal. Some people will not quit picking at their wounds. I know preachers, I know Christians that have been picking at their wounds for 10, 20, 30 years. They've not learned to get over it. See, we need to learn that God wants us to get over those things. We're all scarred. But a scar is just simply a proof that we've healed. Amen? That's what a scar is. A scar is a proof that we've healed. A scar is a proof that we've loved. A scar is a proof that we've lived. I think again about the, uh, the, the being hurt. See, the posture of a Christian, folks, is to be like this. Arms open. Helping people. Reaching out, right? But there's a problem with this posture. It leaves your heart totally exposed. And what's going to happen, if it hasn't happened yet, and what happens is you do this, you're going to get hurt. You expose your heart, it's going to be broken. You're going to be hurt. It's going to happen. If you have anything to do with people, you're going to get hurt. You know why? 
People, you know, there's the old saying that hurt people hurt people. People just hurt people. That's what people do. Sometimes we, it's our own expectations and different things. But if we're not careful, I've done this. I've been there and I've done this as well. We'll go from this posture to this posture saying, never again. I'm not going to let myself get hurt. I'm covering my heart. I'm guarding my heart. I'm not going to let that happen again. I've, I've been there, but I found something out. Man, when you get closed off like that, not only can you not get hurt anymore, but also you're kind of closing and blocking off God's blessings as well and the joy and the peace of God. And so by God's grace, I slowly began to open up and say, you know what? That's just fine. Amen. And God's grace is sufficient. And I'm telling you, you get hurt, you, you get your feelings hurt, but I'm telling you by God's grace, you move on and you get over it. You get past it. You forgive. I remember what my dad used to call scars. I remember, I remember coming home and wanting sympathy from my dad. My dad I honestly don't know if he ever gave me sympathy a day in my life, to be honest with you, but it's, it was good for me. But I can remember I stepped on a nail, uh, and uh, I, have a, I have a daughter that reminds me of me, but uh, I stepped on a nail, and a friend of mine had crutches, and he lived several blocks away. I stepped on a nail, you know, and it went through my foot, and blood went everywhere, and I went home on those crutches. And I come in the house, and, you know, I'm like, oh, I stepped on a nail, and all this and that. And, of course, Mama come over and helped me right away. Thank God for Mamas. Uh, but my dad just simply said, oh, it's just a battle scar, son. Just a battle scar. <laughs> Amen. And I'm like, well, give me some sympathy. Ask if I'm okay, you know, but he didn't. Uh, but, uh, but, but it's just a battle scar. Amen. That's all it is. I've got scars. I've got scars. You've got scars. But it just is evidence. It's proof that we've healed. So the Apostle Paul says, I've learned to get over some things. But not only did he say, I've learned to get over some things, folks, I want to close with this thought. He, there were some things also that he couldn't get over. He learned to get over some things, but there were some things that he just could not get over. What are they? Number one, he could not get over salvation. He could not get over his Savior. Amen. He couldn't get over Jesus. I like what he says in Philippians 3, 8. He says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I don't, he doesn't regret leaving his old life behind, and you won't either, let me tell you. If you don't know Christ, you will not regret leaving your old life behind. I didn't. Paul didn't. Uh, and he says this, For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the laws of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I'm telling you, this is what kept Paul going in prison. What was it that kept him going through the fires? What was it that kept him going through the failures? What was it that kept him from settling on the feats that he'd accomplished? What was it that kept him and helped him to get over his feelings? Folks, it was his love for the Savior. Amen? See, Jesus is the key. I love when you go look at the life of the Apostle Paul and you look in Acts chapter number 22 and he's answering the Jews' accusations against him. And I love it. But, and then the same thing, what does he do? He gets up and tell, tells them about his Savior. Amen? Later in Acts chapter number 26, he stood before Agrippa. And he just had to tell him, amen, he just had to tell him about that day that a bright light shone round about him. And he heard a voice that called his name. 
And he remembers getting knocked off his high horse and down in the dirt. And he remembers uh, being carried away, amen, and being carried forth to do something for God by the Spirit of God. In other words, he remembered when he got saved. And I'm telling you, folks, I don't believe the Apostle Paul ever got over that, amen. And I'm telling you, by God's grace, I don't ever want to get over that either, amen. Being saved, my Savior, amen. I remember when there was a bright light that shone round about me. And no, I don't mean a literal bright light, but I mean a spiritual bright light. Folks, I was in darkness and the darkness of sin uh, when the Lord Jesus let the light of the truth of the gospel shine in my heart, shine in my mind and just like the apostle Paul heard the Lord Jesus Christ say Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I'm glad I heard the Lord call my name not audibly but he spoke to my heart very clearly on that day I mean, listen, I mean, my life was forever changed by the grace of God. I remember uh, years ago, I was visiting a lady in the hospital, and I, uh, she was an elder, elderly lady, and I just happened to ask her, and I was talking to her, and I said, well, uh, do, you, uh, do you know where you will spend eternity when you die? And she says, well, I, I hope, I, I hope heaven. And I says, well, I said, ma'am, you can know you're uh, going to heaven. I said, do you know the Lord? I said, can you tell me uh, about when you got saved or, uh, you know, do you, do you know Christ? And, and I remember just her looking at me and says, well, do you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. Amen. It's kind of like, watch out, because, buddy, I am more than happy to tell you about the day that Jesus saved my soul. Folks, by God's grace, I don't ever want to get over my the Lord Jesus Christ and whatever he did for me. I don't ever want to get over being saved by the grace of Almighty God. Again, uh, not, only he, not, not only was the Apostle Paul not, ever to get not able to get over his Savior, but he was not able, folks, to get over souls. He wasn't able to get over souls. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, the Bible says, All the saints salute you. Listen to this. Chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. Now, who are these saints of Caesar's household? I'll tell you who they are. They're some of those Roman guards that were chained to the Apostle Paul in four-hour shifts. <laughs> you know you know what? So, so what Paul said is, you know what? And he, he won his captors to Christ because he said, man, I'm the one that's got a captive audience, amen? I've got four hours to share the gospel with this joker. And I'm telling you, he led so many of these dudes to Christ. And I'm telling you, he said, they salute you. Why? Because Paul didn't get over souls, amen? He did not let the, the fires the being locked up make him forget about the need, the precious need of those around us. Oh, my friend, listen, Paul lived his entire life that he might win some. Man, he, he saw people the way God saw them. He saw them as the precious souls uh, for whom uh, Jesus died. And that, man, he saw what God could do in these people's lives. Man, listen, help us to, to see the need of those around us. Help us to never get over souls. He saw that people never, uh, he saw that people really mattered. He never lost sight of souls. In 1912, there was a Scottish, a Scottish evangelist by the name of John Harper. He was invited to speak at the Moody Church in Chicago. He boarded the Titanic. 
And now, you know kind of what happened to the Titanic. He was one of those that went overboard. But survivors reported that as the ship began to sink, after John Harper got his, uh, I believe it was his daughter and his sister, onto lifeboats, he went around and he began to talk to people. He began to, anyone who would listen, he would ask them, are you saved? Are you saved? I mean, listen, the ship is going down. People are rushing toward the lifeboats. But John Harper is on the decks of that ship, and he's asking people, do you know Christ? Are you saved? Are you ready to die? Well, as we know, the ship inevitably went down. And as it did, uh, it, was, it, it was said that as he was out in those icy waters, anytime he was close to anyone, he would ask the question, are you saved? And then if they said no, he would begin to tell them about Christ. But anytime somebody would drift within earshot, are you saved? He would holler out. One of the men that cried out was a man by the name of George Henry Cavell. He replied, no. To which, which Harper shouted above the noise the words of Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Harper drifted away. Later, Harper drifted back within sight of uh, where the lifeboat was, near where George Cavell was at. And from the frigid water, once again, the dying Harper shouted the question, Are you saved? Once again, he received the answer, no. And once again, John Harper quoted John, uh, Acts 16, 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And before he drifted away again, now eventually the frigid water of the North Atlantic took John Harper's life. And his body was never recovered. It was said, in fact, that as he began to sink, he gave up, or as he was out there a while, he gave up his life jacket to someone else because he said they needed it more than he did. But George did put his faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And four years later, he proclaimed himself as John Harper's last convert. Amen? See, John Harper never got over souls, amen? I mean, son, he was after it. And may God help us, amen? I mean, I say this with a broken heart. May God help me to have a greater passion for the souls around us, amen? I'm telling you, that's the greatest need this world faces is salvation, amen? He never, he never got over the Savior. He never got over souls. He never got over the scriptures. I love, I love the fact that while the Apostle Paul was in prison and literally some of the last words that he wrote are in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 13 when he says bring me a cloak and bring me my books but he says this bring me the parchments amen these words were written and a short time after this he, he would be killed for the cause of Christ by Nero <laughs> but what did he want Bring me the scriptures, amen. I need to read them one more time, hallelujah. Thank God for the word of God, folks. I mean, he never got over the scriptures, amen. I mean, I feel like I think about George Washington whenever he was being sworn in as president of the United States. After he was sworn in, he did this. 
leaned over and kissed that blessed book. Amen. Why? Because it's this book that offers the life-changing message. This book is alive, folks. Amen. This book has so many enemies, but I'm telling you, the enemies come and go, but the Word of God still stands. Amen. Why? Because it's true. Those who dare challenge the Word of God, those who dare challenge the Bible, and without bias, go in and try to study it scientifically. Those who dare do that come out converts. Amen. There's a number of preachers today that were that that are preaching when they were they used to be atheists. Amen. They used to be agnostic until they did an honest study. So he never got over the scriptures, folks. Man, praise God for the Word of God. There's a great price for the scriptures, man. The the blood of martyrs, I mean, stains every page of this blessed book that some of us take for granted so much. He never got over the scriptures. He never got over the second coming. Philippians 3.20, he says, for our conversation is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul lived his life with his, with his nose in the scripture, one eye on souls, and one eye on the skies. Amen. He believed the Lord was coming again, folks. And I'm telling you, that ought to drive us today. Amen. And then lastly, he never got over the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Knowing that one day he would stand and give an account of his life to God. Now you think about this. The reason oftentimes that we're not that we are unable to get over the fires and the failures and the feats and the feelings and so on is because we've allowed ourselves to get over the things that we should never get over. Amen. Being saved, the souls of men, I mean the scriptures. I mean, listen, we need to learn to get over some things by making sure we don't get over some of these other things that are so important. Amen. I ask you this today, child of God, are you dwelling on things you need to get past? Are you still stuck on that failure of yours? Oh, I've messed up. I've messed up. Well, join the club. Amen. Join the club. Get forgiveness. Go on for God. Have you been hurt? Me too. Amen. You're in good company. Has somebody slandered your name? You're in good company. Find me a preacher in God's word or a man of God that didn't have their name slandered along the way. I mean, listen, it's just par for the course. Are you going through a tough time? I know it's tough. I'm not trying to make light of that. But I'm telling you, there's something greater is what I'm trying to say. There's something, there's somebody greater to focus on. Maybe today you don't know Christ as your Savior. You know what I want to say, say to you today? There's a Savior. There's a God in heaven that loves you. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to take care of a problem that you have and a problem that all men have, and it's the problem of sin. You've sinned. I've sinned. There's a penalty and a payment for that sin. Jesus paid it on the cross. It was death. If we don't accept that, man, it's physical death, but it's spiritual death in hell and the lake of fire. But Jesus has already paid it all, amen, for you. He rose again the third day. He offers you salvation today. If you don't know Christ, would you please come to him today? You say, preacher, how do I come to him? Well, Remember what John Harper said? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. How do I do that? He said, oh, I believe that wasn't what he's talking about. 
Bible says with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not just believing in your mind and intellectually, it's believing from your heart, which means to put all of your faith in. Not trusting in your good works, not trusting in your church, not trusting in anything else or anyone else, but Christ and Christ alone. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What did that Scotsman do, George, when he heard the message of John Harper for the second time? Well, you talk about a simple message, amen. Believe and be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You know what he did? He called on the Lord. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Four years later, amen, old George is still rejoicing about it. Amen.